Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fun of the Run podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, also known as Waddell Running Lady. Thank you so much for being here to listen to this week's episode. I am so, so excited about this one. But before we get started, I'm just quickly going to remind you that you can always reach me through direct message on Instagram at Waddell Running Lady. And also, I have an email specifically for this podcast, and that is funoftherunpodcast at gmail.com. I love hearing comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on these episodes, so please reach out anytime. This week, I am going to be talking about my past Mountain 50K recap. And just saying that is making me, I just have this huge smile on my face because I am so incredibly stoked and thrilled that that I finished the race and uh, so many doubts and fears going into this race. For some reason, I would say for about the last three weeks, I have been, I would call it something more than just pre-race jitters or pre-race nerves. I remember when I was training for the Chicago Marathon, so that would have been fall of 2022. As race day approached, I remember having very, very severe race day nerves. And I just remember it being really bad. But as I went through these last couple of weeks before past Mountain 50K, those race nerves back then were nothing at all compared to what I've been going through the last couple of weeks. What's the reason? I I don't know. I can't, I'm not 100% sure. But some of the things I was experiencing were Um, I would go running and I would have stomach pain. I would get nauseated. It was like if I started walking, I would be okay, kind of. But then if I started picking up the pace and running again, I would immediately have stomach pain and nausea. So I would have to slow down to a walk and it would take a while for the nausea to settle before I could run again. This happened to me on several runs so I would say at least probably a couple of times a week before Pass Mountain, just just in a couple of weeks before, not not the whole training cycle. And then I also started the last week before Pass Mountain. I started getting this like hunger pain. I don't know how else to describe it, but the very last longish, it wasn't long, but I think I had like three miles a couple of days before I was in the middle of the run and I was so starving. At least that's what it felt like. And I had just eaten like an hour before. I mean, I wasn't starving, but I felt like I was so hungry that I was in pain. It's just so weird. And I remember messaging my coach, Kylie, and she's like, Michelle, you're overthinking this. You're totally fine. Just you're fine. Like you're okay. This is all normal. This fear that I felt about this race was almost crippling. And as as silly as it sounds like to, to say that, it really was. And it was the last couple of days before this past weekend, I would try to, I would listen to audiobooks. I would, I would breathe in and out, just try to take deep breaths. I would just distract myself by doing various things, try to keep myself super busy around the house, try not to even think about the race. Sometimes I would just close out of Instagram, get off social media because I was just a nightmare wreck emotionally. And so the day before Pass Mountain, so Friday, this past Friday, my sister came over and we were talking and and she was asking me, you know, whatever about the race. And I started telling her all these different things and different things going on in my life. And she said, Michelle, what in the world? No wonder that you're nervous. No wonder your stomach is upset. No wonder you've been having these headaches. No wonder. And as I discussed kind of these life issues with her, it made a whole lot of sense. But I just managed everything the best I could until race day. But this was definitely 
the most I had a freak out before these, before this race. I just was so stressed. I'll, I'm just going to tell you a couple of the things because I don't, before I get into the actual race recap, I feel like it's important to share some of the pre stuff with you. So as you know, I trained all through this summer and run, ran a lot of night races and just different things, but I trained all through this Phoenix summer, you know, very hot temps and, and plotted through the summer and made it through somehow a lot of hot runs, a lot of hard runs plowed through. Right. Well, so I had that under my belt and I knew that I had trained the best that I could. I signed up for Pass Mountain as soon as registration opened. So when I ran my first ultra back in January, Coldwater Rumble, almost as soon as I was done, I was asking around and I think I even messaged Air Viper running and asked like, what is the next best option for me? I just ran, you know, cold water. It took me this long. What What is my next best option? And they originally recommended McDowell Mountain Frenzy, but the timing of that did not work for me. So then their other suggestion, I think, was Pass Mountain. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I looked at the cutoffs and I asked about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. 15 hours, 50, mi 50, 50 miles. Yeah. 15 hours, 50K, I'm going to sign up for it. Air Vipa responded and they're like, oh, well, registration isn't open yet. And I'm like, oh man, because I, I love having that next race on the calendar. Registration was not open. So I had to wait months and months. So in a sense, that's kind of why I'm so excited to talk about this race finally and give this recap because I feel like my whole year almost has been spent wanting to run past Mountain 50K. So that's pretty funny. Okay, so here's a couple of things I was stressed about. A couple of weeks before the race, I dug in to the website a little bit more and I realized that this course, I knew the course was two loops. I knew there was a big climb in the middle uh, and I knew that there was an overall cutoff of 15 hours. What I did not realize was that the first loop had a cutoff for 50K of five hours. So the race started at seven. You were supposed to be done with the first loop, the first 25K by by noon. So as soon as I read that, I started freaking out because I went back to ultra sign up, looked at my results. I had run at least two 25K races over the summer. And both of my times were more than five hours. One was like 520 and one was like 558. So I knew that it wasn't very likely that I could do this in five hours. Then I looked and the second loop, you had 10 hours. So I'm like, uh, why do I get five hours for the first loop, but 10 for the second, you know, whatever. So I put a message into Aravipa. I ended up texting my coach and saying, help, I don't think I can do this. Uh, I can't, I don't think I can do five hours. You know, here's my race times just to remind you. And she's like, okay, well, let me see what I can do on my end. Let me find out. I'll try to figure it out. And Aravipa was, um, you know, I was waiting for an answer from them since Aravipa is the company that puts on the past mountain trout runs. It's a local racing company here in Arizona and they're also in Colorado and they have races in New Hampshire now, I think too. Anyhow, so I was waiting for an answer from them. And then my coach was looking into things on her end as well and trying to figure out, you know, what to do. So while all this is going on and I'm waiting for these answers, I'm kind of panicking in my mind and I ended up making a reel or something and saying, basically, you know, I've been training for this race and I just found out today that the cutoff for the first loop is five hours. I'm not sure if I can do it, but I'm really going to try. You know, I, I'm going to try. I can't give up now. I've worked too hard. I've trained all summer. I'm still going to run this race, but it's tempting to quit. It's tempting to just not run it because I don't want to get pulled and I don't want to DNF and whatever. So that was the gist of my reel. 
Well, somehow that reel generated um, a lot of different responses. One from my friend Ruth, who I didn't realize this at the time, but she reached out to my other friend, Chris Morrison, and said, hey, do you know anybody that would run with Michelle? She needs some support. She's, I don't know if she needs a pacer or just somebody to run with her. And he's like, of course I do, me, you know? And so Ruth paid in race credits. She had some race credits uh, stored up. She donated those race credits to Chris for Chris to sign up to run past Mountain 50K with me and pace me for the race. Obviously, unofficially, because Pass Mountain does not allow pacers for. So Chris was his own person running his own race, but he paced me at the same time and, and ran with me. So of course he asked me first. He said, Hey, I would I I'm happy to do this if it would help you. You know, Ruth messaged me and, and I'm like, Yeah, that'd be amazing, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so a lot of you might already know that story. So that is how Chris and I ended up running Pass Mountain 50K together. But with that going on and, you know, still finding out, I still didn't know about that five hour cutoff. Well, my coach happens to know the race director for Pass Mountain and she was able to talk to him and explain my situation. And he told her that five hours is, is a soft cutoff. And depending on how far back Michelle is, you know, some of the aid stations will be unmanned, but they'll still be out there because we have night races and you know, she'll be able to finish. No problem. I was so relieved and so happy that it did take a huge load off my mind, but it was still kind of niggling back there because I, I, I still wanted to reach that first cutoff if I could. And after talking to Chris, he's like, well, let's shoot for that first cutoff still. And, you know, let's pretend we don't have any leeway, but we obviously know that we do, but let's pretend that we don't. So that was kind of the plan. So yes, I was relieved in the back of my mind, but I was still kind of a little bit, I guess, nervous. The other thing I was nervous about was, um, someone had asked to run with me for the whole race and I'm not gonna, you know, go into all a bunch of details about it, but it was something that I had I had agreed to, um, after a hard effort, after a race this summer, and I was really tired and I didn't think it through. And I agreed, yes, and run with me kind of thing. And this was somebody that, well, I, I, I guess I shouldn't, I don't want to go into too many details because I don't want people to go searching and figuring out who it is or anything. I don't want to hurt any feelings, but there were several reasons why I was not comfortable with even after saying yes, I was not comfortable with this person running with me for the whole race. Sticking by my side, I just was like, I, I can't, the stress will be greater than, you know, I've been training all summer. And if I, I don't know how to explain this. It, it sounds selfish, but I knew that the right choice was this person needs to run their own race and experience it for themselves. This was somebody much faster than me, but hadn't run a trail race before. And I just felt like I was going to hold them back. And even if they said I wasn't holding them back, I would still worry about them the entire time that I was racing. And it would definitely negatively affect my race. So I had to talk through that situation. It was very difficult for me. Still feel bad about it to this day. But that was also something weighing on my mind, thinking, did I handle that correctly? Uh, when I see this person at the race, are they going to hate my guts? You know, are they going to ignore me? And I, I worry about stuff like that. So that was hanging over my head too. Uh, that my very last long run, which was 20 miles, two weeks before Pass Mountain, I had some blood pooling in my feet and found out that it was just a lack of plain water, too much salt. I had some capillaries that burst in my legs and caused them to look extremely bruised. 
And it was kind of scary because I thought something serious was wrong. Uh, we were able to get that under control, but it just seemed like with between the nausea I was having on my runs, this blood pooling, having to break the news to this person that they, you know, that I would prefer them to run their own race. And then I was a little bit uncertain about running with Chris, not because he's not amazing. He is. He's super amazing. So supportive. He was absolutely perfect for this race. Everything I needed him to be such a good pacer, such a good friend, but going into it, I had never had a pacer before and I had never run an entire race with somebody before. I am a solo runner. I run 99% of my runs alone. That's what I do. That's what I'm used to doing. If I had to wake up every day and train for something, and if I had to, if I was forced to go and run every single training run with somebody else, I honestly think I would have to quit running. I know that sounds so dumb because I love running so much, but my personality, I could not do that. I could not get up every day and go run with somebody. It's just, I can't. So whereas I know a lot of people they won't run without somebody else. You know, they won't run on their own and they won't run a race on their own. So everyone is so different and I'm so glad that that's okay. There's no right or wrong way to do this. But I was a little bit nervous about, you know, having Chris pace me because I'm like, how am I going to react to that? Is that going to stress me out the whole race too? I don't know. So um, I think the night before the race, I got a, a direct message from someone that asked if they could run with me. And this was somebody um, that actually came up to me at the start of the race as well and said, can I run with you? And I didn't know what to say because I had already told this other person, you know, that I would prefer that they run their own race. I knew they were going to be at this 50K as well. And I was worried about having someone else run with me. Like they would be like this, the other person would be like, well, you're letting them run with you. Why couldn't I run with you kind of thing? This just sounds so stupid since I'm not telling you specifics, but um, this other person that asked like the day before the race had run multiple ultra events and was an experienced trail runner and a run coach and these different things. And so it was a different, entirely different situation. It was still a very, it was something that I've never experienced before. There were so many firsts in this race because of running with people, the first loop I was with two people the entire loop and the second loop I was with Chris the whole time. And so that was a totally new experience for me. And I think that I am the better for it, honestly. So let's, let's go ahead and just get to race day. So Saturday, November 11th, 2023, Pass Mountain 50K started at 7 a.m. I got there um, probably at 5.45 a.m. I was able to see my friend and Chris's friend, Oscar, off for the 50-mile race. I was able to talk to Chris a little bit, and Chris Morrison was the one pacing me, if I didn't say that earlier in this episode. I was able to talk to Chris and kind of discuss a little bit, like, how does this work? I've never had a pacer. Like, you know, what do I need to do, or what are you going to do? So we talked about that a little bit. He kind of just calmed my nerves a little bit, and I ended up losing my bib, and he was going to have to go get me a new bib. It was just ridiculous, some of the stuff I was doing. But it all ended up working out. I was able to get selfies with several people, with Ruth and and with Chris and and with um, Karen and with just my coach, Kylie, and uh, the race director ended up coming up to me, and Michelle, right? And, you know, Waddell Running Lady, and and he came, he, Kylie talked to me about you and he's like, you have plenty of time. You have 15 hours. You do not need to be back 
by noon for the first loop, but you're fine. You're going to be good. And, and it was just like, it was the reassurance before the race that I needed. And it just made my whole day. It was such a help to talk to the race director telling me you're going to finish, you know, you've got plenty of time and it was amazing. So thank you so much, Aaron, for doing that. It was amazing. And I needed that. So you know, all the last minute stuff you do, go to the bathroom, get your vest on, pin your bib on, make sure everything's good, lock the car, put your keys, you know, do everything. I did all of that. And then it was, it was go time. So I told Chris, I usually start at the back of the pack because I don't want to get stuck in a pack, but I know he is not used to starting at the back of the pack because he is nowhere near a back of the pack runner. So we started towards the back, but not at the very back. And he basically just said, I want you to do your pace excuse me, I want you to set the pace and I want you to run comfortably right now. So he ran next to me for the first little bit uh, out the gate and basically told me that I needed to run easy and I need to be able to hold a conversation. And if this pace was too hard, that we needed to slow down because this is the very beginning of the race. We have a long ways to go. And so that first half mile or so was kind of strange because there were people passing us I had someone running right behind me and then Chris beside me. And I just was, I'm just not used to being in that kind of, usually people pass me and I'm alone for the most part. And so it was very different experience for me. Um, That whole entire first loop, what was the three of us all together? Obviously Chris was pacing me. And so I would, I was in the middle. So Chris in front and then someone behind me. And then, you know, I was in the middle. And Chris is like, don't freak out, but I listen to your breathing. And that's how I know when to run and when to walk is by, you know, listening to how, to how you're breathing. You need to be able to hold a conversation when you're running. So I'm listening to you talking and I'm seeing, and so it was kind of cool. And it was, it was actually a really, really cool experience. Well, during that first loop, it starts off really flat and it's, it's just such a beautiful course, beautiful and brutal. Okay. But it was absolutely gorgeous, but it starts out flat for the most part. And then we ended up, there were several turns. I ended up stepping on uh, a Choya. And I don't know if you all have seen that picture from Havelina hundred with a, I don't know her name, but she had so many Choya stuck to her. Well, I had one stuck in the side of my shoe and it was big and it poked through my shoe. So there is not a whole lot to grab onto. They're just this big round ball of thorns with a little bit of the tail. But when you, when you grab onto that little tail, the other thorns poke into your finger. And so in pulling it out of my shoe, I got it stuck in my fingers. And so Chris ended up coming and helping me pull it out of my fingers. And then we started running again and I thought there was one in my shoe. So we had to stop again and I had to take my shoe off and see it. it, There was not one in there, but the stinging was such that it felt like there was still like a stinger in my skin. And so that, you know, hindered us a little bit. That cost us a few minutes of time. But those first several miles, we were doing 16, 17, um, I think we might've even had like a 15 minute mile. We were doing some good paces, good for me. And, uh, we would, it was walk, run. It was not, it was not set intervals. It was according to my breathing and how I was doing. And that's what we did about four miles down is, was an aid station that we all stopped at. I didn't really get anything because I didn't need anything. I think I had a potato or a pickle or something. We go and then it's not too long after, oh, then maybe another four miles, there's a second aid station. And that aid station is 
a little bit before you start this incredibly long climb. I did not look at the elevation map. I was going to so that I could share that information with you. But this climb was not only, it wasn't like completely steep. Let's see it. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and try to pull it up right now. Let me check if I can find it past mountain. I'm going to see if I can. All right. So here we go. So for the 50K, the elevation profile, there's 2,540 feet of gain. That does not seem like it's really that hard. But this this map I'm looking at right now is showing me that the climb is in total, let's see, five, six. I would say and until you get to the very, very, very top is probably like it's at least five miles. It's at, it's at least five miles. I don't have an exact on here, but I would say, oh, that is bad. Oh, no wonder. And no wonder that's harder than I thought. It was very hard. You start this climb and you think you're, you think you're at the hard part, but you're not even close to the hard part yet. And it just, it does go down and it goes up and it goes down and it goes up. And then you just steadily start this climb and it's very rocky. And there is a lot of like loose kind of stuff. And then there is a portion, a significant portion that is on this kind of shale. I wouldn't call it shale because I, in shale in my mind is kind of breakable, like that breaks, you know, this is kind of a smooth rock that's kind of scary just to climb, but you basically kind of almost have to climb up it. And there's a ledge, there's some scary parts, there's a drop off and it just goes and it goes and it goes and it feels like a never ending climb. And, and that's what I'm going to name this episode is the never ending climb because that's how it felt. And we were on our first loop. The three of us had to stop multiple times because there were a lot of people out, not part of the race that were hiking and they would be hiking down. And so we, there was not room for two people to pass on this trail in some places. So we would step aside and these people would go past us or there'd be people saying on your left that were coming up behind us because after so many miles, the 25 K race started, I think an hour after us actually. So we started at seven at eight o'clock, the 25 K runners started. So they caught up to us, obviously we were, we were last place. Um, I think at this point we were last two and we had so many people, the 25 K runners pass us. They were not running, but they were hiking. No, nobody, I will just reassure everybody of this. No one was running this section. Nobody was. Everyone was hiking this section. There's, it's just, that's how steep it is. And that's how rocky it is. And there's just so many different kinds of rock and loose and slippery and steep and, and ledges. And it was definitely an adventure. But when you get to the top, the view was amazing so beautiful, so pretty, so gorgeous. And it was awesome. And it felt good to get up to that saddle. But I will tell you this, I knew in the back of my mind that I had to do it again. So this up till this point in the race, so I'm going to say this is from the first from the start line. And now we're probably at about 11 miles in, probably by the time we got to the top of that climb that saddle. So 11 miles in, it was pretty uneventful um, and I was doing really good mentally. I was able to take a gel. Well, I never took a gel during the entire race. I took a glucose and glucose um, is, it's liquid. It's 
it tastes like fruit punch, the flavor that I have. It's G-L-U-K-O-S. And that's what I was able to stomach. So I had a nutrition alert every 30 minutes on my phone. I could not stomach one of those every 30 minutes. I would try a pretzel here and a pretzel there. I could get down like maybe two at a time. And I would just keep sipping on my tailwind every chance I got because I knew I needed the calories from the tailwind. And I knew I needed as many calories as possible to be able to keep going for the remainder of the race. So my stomach was actually doing really good um, during this time. But myself and the lady that was running with us, we both needed a bathroom for miles. And we just waited because there, you know, there's really not a whole lot of good places to go on the side of the mountain. So anyways, okay, so mile 11, we're at the top of the saddle. I would say a mile 11 ish. Okay. So once you hit that top of that saddle, there's about four miles left to the finish, to the finish line, to the start finish area, which we had to go through again and then go out for our second loop. So it was not a straight shot downhill to the start finish area. It was not a straight shot at all. It was up and down and loop-de-loop and up and down and rocky and slick and climbing again. And it was just, it was just, it felt like 10 miles, even though it was four. It was very long. Um, but it, but again, still, even, even in this section for most of it, I was, I was pretty good mentally. Um, we were passed by another desert to peak athlete. And, you know, we're able to say hi. There were different people that would say hi on the trail. There are people that recognize that, you know, Chris and I, and they would say hi to us, give us high fives. It, it was awesome. And it was a lot of fun. Well, I might as well tell you, Pat, Patty was the name of the lady that was running with us. And she was another desert to peak athlete. There's nothing wrong with me telling you that Patty was great. And she would ask me questions and then tell me about different things and you know, she'd ask Chris questions and we just kind of would chat back and forth. And, and it was a lot of fun and it actually was distracting so that, you know, what you were doing didn't feel as hard as what you were doing, if that makes sense. And so it was really, it was good having Patty along. And so she, and she was great, but a couple of miles before we got to the start finish area, Chris ran out of water and, but he remembered seeing this bathroom somewhere along this, along this trail, because he had come and, and, and run this trail before just, you know, during training. So he knew there was a, a bathroom and that it had cold water in the fountain. And so Patty and I were just like desperately waiting for this bathroom and for that cold water. And Chris would go ahead a little bit and he'd be like, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. Maybe this is it. No. And it just seemed like forever and ever and ever until we found the bathroom. And then we found the bathroom, refilled our bottles. And it was just like, oh, it was so amazing. And then at that point, it was only half a mile to the start finish area. We get to the start finish area and Chris had to change his shoes. I had to go to the bathroom again and we ate a bunch of watermelon. Uh, Liz at the aid station, she filled, she refilled my uh, flasks with tailwind and she uh, filled my the bladder in my pack with water again. And, and, you know, we just, we didn't spend a ton of time, but we did spend probably too much time there, but it was great. We got a few pictures and, um, I got some hugs from friends and Karen came over and gave me a big hug and told me how happy she was and how proud she was of me and how I was going to get it. And it was just, it was a really special time. And we were able to chat a little bit and then head out again for our second loop. And Patty came with us again on the, on that second loop, um, for part of the time. 
And then she ended up having some, she ended up having some issues physically uh, that could have potentially been not good. That could have potentially been serious. And so we all decided, we decided that we were going to get her to the next aid station and she was going to go ahead and drop. And so that's what we did. And that was the aid station that ended up being unmanned. And Chris and I, um, Patty's husband came and picked her up. And then Chris and I kind of raided the aid station since nobody was there. And we ended up, you know, getting water and watermelon and, and just ended up getting what we needed, um, which I'm glad we did because we ended up, we knew that there was another aid station four miles away. And so we were not super concerned with like filling our packs to the brim with water and, and grabbing all the snacks. And we just, we weren't thinking about doing that. I think maybe I grabbed, well, Chris grabbed something extra. I can't remember what, I think bean roll-ups or something. And I don't think I really grabbed anything extra myself. I don't think I did. I think I just, yeah, I think I just ate watermelon. Well, we continue on our way and we we knew that we were a little bit behind time now, but we ended up getting very close to that aid station, the next aid station, Meridian. And Chris is like, no, it's it's right around this corner. And we get there and he's like, well, I guess I was wrong. I thought it was here, but it's not. And I said, well, there's no way they took it down. And he's like, well, I mean, I'm not talking about just that it, it's unmanned. He's like, if it was here, like the tent's gone and everything's gone and the tables and the coolers and the water and everything's gone. And so then, I, you know, we're like, well, it must not be here. It must be farther along. Let's let's keep going. So he was ahead of me. And as I'm walking, I look off to the side and there's a little sign stuck in the dirt that says Meridian Aid Station. Next aid is 8.6 miles away. And I said, Chris, um, they took the aid station down. And he's like, what? And we, I showed him the sign and we're like, oh no. And at this point, Chris did not have a lot of water left. And I know 8.6 miles doesn't seem like a long ways to go out of, you know, in a 50K. But from that point, I would say that was around maybe four o'clock in the afternoon, 345, four o'clock. We didn't finish the race until 8.30 p.m. So we still had over four hours ahead of us with very little water. I was concerned because I knew that we hadn't even hit the start of the climb yet. Chris, I think, was a little concerned, but I think he was just like, let's just keep going. You know, let's just let's keep going and, you know, we'll probably be fine. Well, our coach would check on us throughout the day and just say, hey, how you guys doing or whatever, you know. And she would say, oh, no, I know what it was. She checked on us after the second loop. She's like, good job. You got this first loop done. Try to manage the heat. It was much hotter than we expected it to be in November, even though we're used to it being hot in November, but it was hotter than we wanted it to be. She's like, manage the heat. You guys got this. You're on your second loop. Well, I think it was 24 miles in. I texted her and I said, you know, Kylie, we don't have any. I said, Chris doesn't have hardly any water left. And, you know, they took down the aid station and and she's like, okay, well, manage what you have, conserve what you have. You've got time. You you can you can do this. And so we kept going and we ended up starting to climb. And like I said, it's minimum five miles of climbing. There are not a lot of access points to get to somebody on the mountain. You're really not in the middle of, of nowhere, but you get to a point on this mountain where you don't see anything around you. 
and it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere and there there are no access points there there were some access points and different parts of the course but you get to where there there aren't any and so at some point chris said well kylie's messaging me right now she wants to know if we started the climb because you know her and the race director are trying to get water to us and he's like there's nowhere to get water to us i'm trying to you know he's like i'm going to tell her there's no there's no way to get water to us and i said there isn't and he's like and we can't just wait right here you know we need to keep going and so i pulled out my bladder and and he was completely out um by this time during this is i don't know if this is halfway during climb i'm not sure but no it wasn't halfway sorry i'm getting all this mixed up i'm still kind of in a brain fog and i'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around this whole experience and i i don't feel like i'm doing a very good job of explaining this and i'm so sorry for that but chris ended up running out of water again and the plan was i had two flasks soft flasks of tailwind and then i had a two liter bladder of plain water in my pack my plan was to share that plain water with chris but I didn't have two liters left. I had at this point, because we weren't able to fill up again at this point, I had, I would say, I would say that that plain water, that pack of plain water was probably maybe a quarter full. So I had, I, I had guzzled like three quarters of it. Like I said, it was really hot. And so I was really trying to conserve that and try to save it for Chris. And then just sip on my tailwind and i you know i didn't have a ton of tailwind either but our hope was because it was starting to get the sun was starting to go down and the hottest part of the day was past our hope was that we could make it with the water that we had so we just kept going there there really was nothing else to do you know once we really got into this climb we had to keep going about 20 Oh, I said 22 in my post, but I think it was farther along than that. I, I got a little bit discouraged. It, I think it happened twice, but the, the worst time was I kind of started getting a little bit weepy, but it only lasted. I, I really think it was like a minute, like 60 seconds. I wasn't like, but I was like, I don't think I can do this or something like that. Not because I... I didn't feel like I could do it physically, but because I, I, I knew I could do it physically. I knew I could cover the distance even then, even in my lowest moment, but I really felt like I didn't belong out there because I was so slow. And Chris would tell me repeatedly during the day, do not apologize. Quit saying you're sorry. I chose to do this not to be mean, but I planned on this taking all day. I'm here. I'm here for you. This is your race. This is about you. I am not judging you in any way, shape or form. If you give your best effort, that's all I'm asking is that you, you know, you're out here and you're doing this. And I, you know, I love seeing people chase their passions and, and I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you and to do what you need me to do. I'm not here to judge you and just different things. Well, when I kind of had this little mini breakdown, it wasn't bad. I've had much worse. So this time was not that bad, but he, he had the words to say, he's like, start climbing, you know, he's like, you go ahead and I'm going to talk to you. And he talked to me and he explained, you know, don't compare yourself to other people and, and this and that. And it was just, it was what I needed to hear. And I think someone stopped us about 
soon after that and thought we were going the wrong way and blah, blah, blah. And it distracted me from my pity, self-pity or whatever. And then we were able to keep going. Not too long after that, it did start to get evening. And Chris is like, I'm going to ask you this, this one thing. I want you to channel your inner Goggins and I want you to just push through this climb. If we can get to the top, to the saddle, it's going to feel so much better after that. So if you, I'm just going to ask you this one thing, you know, channel your inner Goggins, your warrior goddess, whatever, but we've, I want you to just push through this climb. So it was getting dark. We turned our headlamps on. I had a waist light. He had a headlamp, put my head down, put my hands on my hips and I just started climbing. And I don't mean for five minutes. I don't mean for 10 minutes. It was actually a long time. I think it was a couple of miles. I mean, I just put my head down and climbed and it got darker and darker and darker. And there were scary parts. There were some parts I had to go first, some parts he had to go first for safety reasons. And some parts he'd be like, put your foot right here, make sure you step where I'm stepping and just different things like that. And finally he said, here's the saddle. This is it. We're at the top. And I could not believe that I was at the top. And he, he was like, I am so proud of you. And, you know, I, I had just been saying earlier about how I didn't think I belonged out here. And he was basically, when I, when I got to the top of the saddle, he said, I'm so proud of you. And he said, um, you, you belong here. You absolutely belong here. You belong, you belong out here. And basically that I was doing, that I did such an awesome job powering through. He's like, that's the one section that I asked you to power through and you did it. And, and he was just really impressed for whatever reason. And, and then we just, at that point, something in my mind kind of shifted because I knew I didn't have to do that stupid climb ever again, that I was done with it and that it couldn't get any worse from, from there to the finish line. And I think I even told him, well, I can do this all day, you know, and it was that same last stretch that seems like it's 10 miles, but it's only, you know, four or five or whatever. And it seems like it's, it's just never ending. And it went up and down and it just, it was so much longer at night than in the daytime. And we ended up finding that bathroom again. And then when we found that bathroom, we filled up on water because of course, when we switched headlamps, when we put our headlamps on and stuff, um, I, we end, I ended up giving Chris, you know, most of the water that I had, we were both, he was out of water, uh, miles before the finish. And I was out of water miles before the finish. I had like two sips of tailwind left when we got to the finish line. Actually, no, I didn't. I had probably two sips of tailwind left when we got to the bathroom that was half a mile from the finish line. And so we each filled up like, you know, a soft flask at the bathrooms. And then we ended up going that last half mile. And when we finally realized that we were almost to the finish line, my watch said 32.95 miles and a 50 K is 31 about. Okay. My watch said 32.95. Chris has said 30, almost 34. <laughs> Think. And so, but anyhow, when we finally realized we were there, Chris said, you know, I've never been in last place and I want to know what it's like. I'm not ever, you know, and I said, that's true. I mean, it's not like he's ever going to have another opportunity to be in last place in a race. 
Um, there's no way he ever will. And so he's like, so I want you to run across first. And I said, okay, you know, I, since I have the privilege of doing it all the time, I, it's the least I can do. <laughs> and so we ran towards the finish line and I ran across first and he ran across right behind me. And they announced Michelle Schroff is a 50K finisher, Waddell running lady. And it was so cool to hear my Instagram name announced. It was so cool. And then they announced Chris's and, and we got our medals and, and we got grilled cheese and tomato soup and sat down and, and took our vests off, our packs off and, and waited for Oscar to cross the finish line of his 50 miler and chatted with a few people and chatted with the race director and and I thanked him for letting me continue on and being able to finish and we ended up with 90 minutes to spare before cutoff so cutoff was 15 hours I finished in 1330 um, something like that and we were able to have plenty of time to spare and so except for the little snafu with the aid station being torn down um, which I think was a miscommunication Everything was, it, it was, it was great. I mean, Aravipa puts on amazing events and, and suddenly we were done. And so we're sitting at these stone picnic tables and our cement picnic tables. And, and then I said, Hey, we didn't get a picture. Can we get a picture? And so we get up and we are hobbling over there to get a picture. And it's just so funny because, you know, you can tell who just got done running because everyone's like kind of hobbling. It was, it was so fun. But I wanted to just, uh, that that's basically what happened. So my first loop was much faster than my second loop. My second loop, I ended up, I, I think when I saw that the aid station was torn, I think after we took Patty to Levy Aid Station and she um, ended up having a drop from the race after that, and then going to the next aid station and realizing it had been torn down, I it was like at that point when I the aid station was torn down and I realized we were going to have to really conserve our water. And it just it did something, I guess, mentally and made me kind of not really doubt myself, but really I just, I didn't have the impetus to run anymore and nothing like felt like I was not in horrible pain. Everything actually felt really good. I mean, I was tired of course, and I could not really get food down. Um, I, I would try to take a gel when I could, I, I did not end up taking even one gel, just the glucose. So I did not take any goose. Um, but I did take, I think I used all seven of my glucose and other than that, all I consumed during the race was tailwind, one little round, half of a little teeny round potato, and I think two little chunks of pickle, and maybe maybe 10 mini pretzels. And I think, oh, and probably six to eight slices of watermelon. So that's what I had calorie-wise during, during this 50 Okay. I started having a little bit of tummy trouble this during the second loop and I, I just was not able to, oh, I think I ate part of a piece of bread too. So, but I was not able to really have a lot of solid food. And I think if I could have gotten more calories, maybe I would have had more energy and been, a, been able to run more on the second loop. But I just, you know, I remember apologizing to Chris, sorry, I'm not running much. And he's like, well, do you have it in you to run? And I said, no, he's like, okay. Even if we have to just hike the whole thing in, it's fine. So after we crossed the finish line, of course, I was thrilled. I was so happy and, and over the moon and all that. I still am. 
But today I looked at the paces on my on my app on my phone and I saw how much slower that second loop was than the first loop. And it made me realize I really could have gone faster the second loop. But also considering everything, looking back, I do feel like I did the best I could do in that moment. Could I have pushed more sometimes? Yes. Um, maybe I should have made myself. I don't know. But I do feel like at the moment where I was mentally, different situations, I feel like I did what I could. At the moment, I still accomplished the goal. I still made it in 90 minutes before cutoff. I had a great race with great friends. And it was a great experience. It was actually an epic experience. And when I look back now, my low lows, because I had probably would say two times that were kind of low, those lows were not as low as they normally would have been um, as I had somebody with me. So Chris being with me helped me during those low lows. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but I could I have done it without Chris? Yes, I, I do think I do think I could have, and I do think I would have, but I don't think that it would have been, I think it would have been much more difficult. And I, I don't know, I think my lows would have been a lot lower. And I think that I might have come in even closer to the cutoff. Like I, I may have barely made it just because that climb was so awful and so downplayed by everybody that <laughs> told me about yours. And so I don't know. I mean, maybe I would have made it. I think I would have, but honestly, it was really hard. It was so hard. I'm trying to think what else to tell you about this race. It did take me 15 minutes longer to do this course, but I feel like it was so much harder than my first ultra marathon. I'm super proud of my effort, even though could I do it faster? I think I could. I think I am capable of being faster. I think I am capable of getting it done quicker. And I do feel like overall it was a really good day and it was epic. And I am honored that Chris, first of all, I'm honored that Ruth would donate her race credits to have someone run with me. And I'm honored that Chris answered the call to do that and to take, you know, the whole entire, his whole entire Saturday away from his family to pace a friend and to help a friend out. I appreciate his wife, Ashley, for you know, she's met, we've met and for being so sweet to let her husband come and pace me for the entire day. Shout out to Ashley. I appreciate her so much too. And I'm just so thankful for all of my friends, all of my running friends, those of you I've met in person, those of you I've never met in person, maybe never will, but that continue to support me on social media or through messages, through email. Every single one of you has been just amazing and I would not be where I am without you. So I do want you to know that. I really, really appreciate Air Vipa for their awesome events. And Aaron Barber, the race director of this past Mountain 50K, for allowing me to still keep going, even though I did not hit the five-hour cutoff for the first loop. Um, knowing that I could still finish was just such a huge weight off my shoulders and made me enjoy the day so much more. One more thing I wanted to add about Pass Mountain 50K is I mentioned earlier that I've been planning this race out all year, right? What I was not considering was that it was Veterans Day weekend. As some of you may or may not know, I am a member of Team RWB, which stands for Red, White, and Blue. 
it is it is an organization that supports veterans and their fitness and their mental health and just you know so just supporting veterans and it's something that's dear to my heart my grandfather was in the army and my um, my dad was in the air force and i'm pretty sure my other grandpa was also in the army but i never met him he died before i was born but even without the veterans in my family um i have always had a, just a deep respect for the u.s military and for what they do for you know in serving our country so when i found out the past mountain was the same weekend as veterans day obviously i was not going to be able to participate in the big parade that they have in phoenix and in the half marathon that was happening the next day because for many reasons but one of them being i just ran a 50k you know on saturday so i wasn't going to go run a half on on um sunday i still wanted to show my support and my thank you to the veterans and so that is why i decided to wear team rwb shirt and a team rwb visor and then i ended up with an american flag pin to my pack throughout the race so um, I have a friend that is ex-Marine and I asked her, you know, is the placement of this flag okay? I don't want to do anything disrespectful and because I am a civilian and I know that there are certain ways that you can, you know, treat the flag respectfully and I wanted to do that. She said, it's fine. Just don't lay it on the ground. Don't let the flag touch the ground when you take your pack off. So I was careful to do that because there was a time or two that I did have to take my pack off on the trail. So that is why I ran with a flag and I just wanted to just share that. That was also a special part of the day for me was being able to run with the flag. I had a veteran run by and thank me for, for supporting them. And that was really, really special. Lastly, I wanted to just clarify a few things I said earlier about running with people. I mentioned that there was someone who asked to run with me and I, I basically, I tried super politely to basically let them know that I wasn't comfortable with that and that I would prefer for them to run their own race that we could start together. But then I would really like them to concentrate on running their own race because they were faster and I would hold them back and that would bother me during my race. It would affect my race and my performance. Even if they said they were fine, I would, I would still be worried about them, which would cause me to not have a good race. But when Patty ended up running with us, like I said, that I, I can't say, and Patty, I love you. So if you're listening to this, do not be offended. Okay. The difference with Patty is she has run multiple ultras and I knew, and she even said, she's like, you guys will drop me. Like if, if I'm not going to, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm basically that she's running her own race. She would like to stay with us, but if she can't, like she's not going to expect us to wait for her. Like if she needs more time at an aid station or whatever, you know? And so there was that understanding from the beginning that yes, she was running with us, but it was just different because I didn't worry about her in the same way that I would have worried about this other person. And even so, even though I was not worried about Patty in the same way as I would have been worried about this other person, because this was my first time running with people, it did take me a little bit to kind of think, how do I really feel about this? Because like I said, Patty was behind me most of the time, um, at least for that first loop. And Chris was in front or beside. And so it, it felt different. 
but at the end of the day, it was a good different. And I'm, I'm thankful for the experience. I'm thankful that, that, that I said, yes, that, that she asked and that I was able to step out of my comfort zone. And thank you for that, Patty, because I enjoyed sharing miles with you and, and it was great, you know, getting to talk and chat and, and have someone that was uh, running along and, and I didn't know that it would be okay. And so thank you, Patty, for showing me that it was okay. And, and again, thank you, Chris, for disbelieving in me, for helping me, for pushing me when I needed to be pushed for everything. You know, thank you each and every one of you for always supporting me, for always having my back and for just letting me talk to you about all my goals and my dreams. Um, having this podcast has been so just freeing for me. It's been such a, a blessing to me to be able to talk about this because um, obviously I love that, that different ones tune in and comment and give me feedback, but it's also, it's just so nice having an outlet to express how I really feel about things and, and just be able to say it. It's almost like having a, a confessional or a diary or something, you know, and it, it's just, it helps me be able to get it all out and, and vent and say what I'm really feeling. And it's, it's amazing. It's been amazing to have this podcast and it's been an amazing journey sharing it with each and every one of you. So that is my recap of Pass Mountain 50K. And again, I finished in 13.35.49. Not a fast time, not the slowest time ever. And I'm grateful for every step. I thank God for giving me strength and help to take every step. I took every one of those steps on my own. No one took those steps for me. I did it myself with God's help. And I'm thankful for that. I was worried about getting sick before the race. That didn't happen. I was worried I would be vomiting or just be sick. You know, you just never know. None of that happened. I was worried about getting huge blisters because that's happened to me. Um, during my fifth, first ultra, it happened during my last two marathons. It happened. I was really worried about that. It did not happen this time. I got a little bitty blister, probably less than the size of a dime. And if that's all I'm left with after 33 miles, I'm a happy lady. So <laughs> love you all. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you will join me next week. Stay tuned for uh, an announcement. I'm going, I found a 50 mile race. Uh, stay tuned for an announcement. I'm going to be running a 50 mile race in 2024. Super excited about it. Super excited to share with you. And up next is January 20th, 2024. I will be running the Coldwater Rumble 60K. So I hope that you will come along with me on that journey too. Have a wonderful day and thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me next time.